There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Well, I do want to thank you for tuning to the podcast today. We are going to have a unique podcast today. We're going to have a testimony from someone that's already given a short testimony on the podcast. Uh, but even then, I had asked him at some day, I'd like you to do a little bit longer of a testimony, just what the Lord has done for you. And so Peter Cornelius has agreed to give his testimony in a little bit more detail of how God brought him to salvation, how God worked in his life. And so we are thankful for that. On Saturday, there at the Grace Bible Independent Baptist Church in Shingle House, Peter had submitted himself to believers' baptism, and so Peter is now uh, saved, baptized, part of the church. We thank God for that. And so, Peter, it's a joy for us to have you with us. Go ahead and just tell us what the Lord has done for you in your life. I'd like to thank you, Brother McVeigh, for allowing me to speak on the podcast again. The last time I was here, I let everyone know about what God had done for me after I'd been saved. And this one, I'm just going to tell you about what God did for me leading up to salvation and I do apologize to people if I seem to jump all over a little bit. My mind just is a little scattered half the time, but I'm going to start back when I was a young kid. We used to go to church. My parents would take us there every Sunday, every Sunday evening. And then after a while, the pastor of that church had passed away, so my parents pulled us out. And I'm going to preface this by just telling people, don't judge my parents harshly about that because they were doing what they thought was best at the time. My father even admits when he was a nearing his death that that was probably one of the worst decisions he'd ever made, but I never had the opportunity to tell him that any of the sin in his kids' lives came from his kids. We just took what we had learned as children and we ran with it and made it worse. So our parents are not to blame for how any of us turned out. I don't blame my parents for how I turned out. Every decision I made was my own. But we got pulled out, extremely young age. Most of my family has some sort of profession. I was told I had uh, salvation. I never really thought about it, cared about it. I, the only reason I stopped believing that is I didn't know any Bible. And the first time I ever really started going back to church, I heard you needed to know a time and a place, which I now know is wrong. But when I first went back, I was like, oh, I don't know a time and a place. I must not be saved. And I believe it was God used my ignorance to keep me from having any type of false pretenses of salvation and keeping me from him. We first came back uh, after our house burnt down. We moved back to Black Creek. And we were going there. And then after a while, uh, Pastor John Asquith became the pastor of the Black Creek Baptist Church. And we were invited to come back. And us younger kids weren't. Our grandfather was a deacon there, so we started to go for a little while. And just slowly, we started all to fall back out of church again because church just wasn't something we really did. And before I left, Dale Moray 
had started coming to the church and I left while he was there. And then a few different times he'd see me after that. He would ask me, hey, you gonna come back to church? And I would always tell him yes. And I had full intentions to, because at this time I was a liar, a big one, but being a liar, I tried to be honest in some areas just to convince people in the areas I was lying about in my life, convince them I was being honest in every area. So I had full intentions to eventually come back. And at one point uh, I was able to, and it was by the grace of God this happened. I was working on a job and we were scrapping machinery and me and my brother were taking one apart and the machinery happened to just collapse and it broke my arm, which gave me some time off from work. So I started going to the church and after a while, my boss would normally pick me up because I'd work on Sundays. And there was a few Sundays later that he tried to pick me up and I was in church, so he had to wait. This happened two or three more times. And he finally asked me, he's like, do you enjoy going to church? And I was, had to think about it, which I did enjoy church, but I enjoyed it for the wrong reasons. I had friends there and everything. Back at this time, I did what I believe most young men do in church. I didn't pay any attention to anything that was being said. And the man of God heard me just say, I, or not the man of God, my old boss there had heard me say that I enjoyed it. So he decided that we weren't going to start working until after three. And that was when church got over, which allowed me to go to church every single Sunday after that. And the reason I say that's the grace of God is this man was a professing Catholic and I was going to a Baptist church. And this man was one of the worldlier men I knew. And at the time, I didn't know that that was God working in my life, getting it so I was back in church. But God showed me in the later years that, no, he worked that in my life and got me back there. He did what he needed to do to get me there. He knew what it would take. He even used my lying against me to get me back in church, which I find absolutely amazing. But I started going for a few years, and they started having the special meetings. They're having the uh, youth week every year. And at first, I just skipped out on those because I had work. I'd always make it that excuse. I put work above church. And one youth week, probably one of the ones I was first more involved in, I uh, would go to work in the morning. I'd miss the morning services, but I'd come in the evening. So God was somewhat working in my life. And this is probably the first time I ever noticed God actually working when I spoke to him in prayer. I was working at a job with a man who... Uh, Never really, he got angry, but he never really got angry with people. And me and him got into a massive argument right before lunch. Then during lunch, I left to get something to eat. And as I was coming back, I was like, just prayed to God real quick. I was like, God, I need you to give me a good day with this man. I don't want to be arguing with him and everything. As soon as I got back, this man apologized to me. And I uncharacteristically apologized back to him. We actually had probably one of the best days I ever had on the job site. That was probably one of the first times I ever actually noticed God doing anything in my life. Then the next year, I actually decided it's probably a good thing if I actually go to the whole youth week, day and night, take the whole week off. So I started to go every day. And then on that Friday night, the final night of youth week, we were up there singing a song. I'd been inviting a person in my family to the services the whole week. And they kept coming up with different excuses of why they couldn't come. And it was bothering me, which was 
hypocritical of me because I did the same thing the year before and still did it for other services. But me being the self-righteous person I was, I was extremely upset with them. And I was sitting there wondering, why are they lying to me? And God just showed me, why are you lying? And it just broke me that youth week. And that was the first youth week I ever went up to the altar, actually. And I wept just over my, my state. I didn't, I didn't really weep over being a sinner. I wept over being a liar. And God showed that to me. And then I got up there at the end of it. And I left the church that night and completely forgot about everything God showed me. I ignored it, turned my back on it, and God turned his back on me for a whole year. And it was a miserable year. Then I came back and the same thing happened. We were on the Friday night. We were singing the same exact song. I was in the same exact place I was from the year before. And God just asked me again, why are you a liar? And it just broke me again. Then as I did the year before, I ignored it again when I left the church that night. Because once you leave the services, once you leave special meetings, you're good. You seek God for maybe a week. Can't even say if you seek God. You kind of sort of look for him maybe a little bit here and there. But if you seek him, you'd be found. And after a while, all that just dies off and God once again turned his back on me and it got to the next youth week and I'm sitting there halfway through the week on a Wednesday night wondering, why is God not speaking to me? I just decided to get up that night, purpose in myself that I was going to speak to God until he spoke to me that night. So I prayed to God and it was probably about three in the morning and God finally actually spoke to me again. And I rejoiced greatly over it. If you've never been with God, turn, have the back turned on you. If you have been there, you understand what I mean when God actually speaks to you again. At first, I was wondering, is this salvation? And I was like, I don't know. I'll get in the Bible. I always heard you should look at that. And I looked through it and I was like, no, I'm not saved. This doesn't match me. I'm not saved. But God is actually speaking to me again. And that's probably the, one of the few times I actually started to take things serious for long term. And then soon after that, uh, Mr. Taylor there on one of the nights was just talking and he said, I hope God keeps one of you uh, men up all night and you can't go to sleep. And he shows you exactly what you are. So that night, of course, I couldn't go to sleep. So I decided to get up and go on a walk because I think better when I'm walking. And I just prayed to God in the start of it. I'm like, and I wouldn't recommend doing this prayer. I did it. I probably would never do it again. I just told God, I'm like, God, either show me what I am or kill me now. It's better, better that way. It's probably one of the most terrifying nights I ever had in my life because I never knew if God decided he was just going to take me out, call my bluff. But that night, as I was walking, God showed me what he thought of me. And how he did it was he compared me to every one of my siblings, the ones that everyone said I... Everyone says I'm better than, that I'm not like them. I don't do what they do. But God showed me, no, you do their sins, but you're worse. You do it in secret. You hide it. At least they're open about it. And he just showed me that every single one of those siblings of mine was better than me in every way. 
So the next year rolls around, another youth week, and I didn't mention it earlier. This is why I say when I jump around a little bit, but the previous youth week, I'm going to jump back to there, give you some exhortation about prepping yourself for youth weeks or not even youth weeks, just any type of special meeting or any church in general. I was sitting there that week and it was one of the services it tended to go. Sometimes the services tended to go pretty late. And I was sitting in the back in the foyer watching over the young men. And it's one of those services. We were going on the third hour of the service and I'm sitting there kind of antsy, uncomfortable and everything, wanting it to end. And I look in the pew just in front of me and I see Pastor Vernon and his wife sitting there and she just recently been saved. And I look forward and it's the third hour of the service and they're sitting there smiling, enjoying themselves, enjoying three hours of service. And I'm sitting in the back miserable. And I was like, I want that. I want what they have. What kind of peace do they have where they can sit three hours in a service? and still have joy. So we go to the next year then, and there was a man that preached every year, and I get bitter with him. I get angry, I didn't understand why he'd preach. And I was like, oh, he's going against my family, he's saying stuff against us. And I didn't wanna be bitter with this man, so I decided I'm gonna get in the Bible. I'd heard from uh, Brother McVeigh there before that if there's a problem, and you, you have some sort of sin in you, you dig down and you find out what the root of that is. So I decided I was going to put that to the test. Why am, why am I always angry with this person? So I was reading, I believe it's in the Proverbs, about a contentious person. And I'm like, oh, I'm a contentious person. Why am I contentious? And then I found the verse, only by pride cometh contention. And I was like, oh, I'm proud. And before then, I never really thought of myself as a proud person. I never even really thought, I was like, I don't really have much to be proud about. But when I look back now, there's a pride. I refer to it as the Cornelius pride. It's a pride that I believe my family runs through and I run through it probably more than most. And it's that pride of, I can do things myself. I don't need help. And that was one of the sticking points. I remember one youth week sitting there and God's pricking my heart. And I'm like, I don't know how to get saved. And I look back now at how foolish that was because the Bible never says you have to know how to get saved. <laughs> now that I'm saved, I look back and I don't know how to get saved. But I went through that youth week and then went to the next one. And for me, it was an, probably not the biggest youth week. God showed me things, but it wasn't things he hadn't showed me before. It was just him reinforcing that I was proud, I was a bitter person. Everything he'd been showing me for the like month or two beforehand, just working up to it. So it wasn't that bad of a youth week for me. I was never really extremely emotional, but I just thought about things. Like, no, God, you're right about this. And at this time I was rejoicing when God was showing me those things because God was at least speaking to me. He hadn't turned his back on me again. And then it came to the Friday night and we're going through the service and Brother McVeigh was preaching there and I didn't hear any of his message because that night God was just speaking to me going, ask him to preach tomorrow, ask him to preach tomorrow, ask him to preach tomorrow. And I didn't hear anything that service because that's all that was going through me. 
So at the end, I was about to get up and leave. I'm like, oh, if the opportunity presents itself, I'll ask him. That's what I normally did. If the opportunity presents itself, I'll do something for God. But the opportunity never presents itself. I was about to leave the church that night, and I was like, you know, it won't present itself. So I just decided to go and make an opportunity. I, didn't, I can't say I decided it. God probably had a major hand in it because I don't normally do things like that because, like I said, I can do things on my own. And that's a thought I had at those times. So it came to that Saturday, Mr. McVeigh had agreed to preach again. And it ended up just being a great service. Probably one of the more emotional services I've been in. And I mean emotional in a good way. I know there can be bad emotional where people just weep for weeping's sake. But this day, I believe God gave people reasons to weep. And that was the day Sam had brought up where he got saved, told us. That was the day Timmy got saved. God was just working. And... I was sitting there not understanding, like, God, you wanted me to ask him. Ah, uh, yes, I was just reminded that Mrs. Vadis also was saved that day. Another glorious thing that came out of that day. But I sat there wondering, God, why am I not getting saved? Everyone else is getting saved. But God was using that day to prep me and break me of that trust I had in myself. Because I'd always known, like, yeah. God died for me, so he obviously wants to save me. I always equate it to, it's probably a silly illustration, but equate it to a person who's shopping. If they buy an item, they generally want that item. And God had paid for me, and he paid the ultimate price for me, so why would he want? And I had that understanding, but my problem was I was the one trying to get saved. I wasn't letting God do the work he needed to do in my life. And that day, God just broke me down. And I remember sitting there. I actually spoke out loud once. I didn't understand. I didn't understand why I wasn't saved. I said I believed the Bible, which I was mostly telling the truth about that. But I'll get into that further when I actually hear soon when I tell you how I got saved, the thing that was keeping me from Christ, the thing I didn't believe. But I remember speaking. I believe the Bible. I believe God died for me. I believe he wants to save me. I just didn't understand why he wouldn't. I put the blame on God at that moment. Like a whining child, I did that. And God was gracious enough not to hold that against me. Then I think it was a week after that, I went down to Pastor Vernon's church there, Living Waters. Went to another meeting that Mr. McVeigh was preaching at. And God was just using that week to prep me. I went down there looking for some answers. But like halfway through the week, I came to the mind, one of the things that always held me up is I was afraid I could ruin a service. And I went into Wednesday night, I believe it was, thinking I'm going to destroy this service from just how I acted today. And God showed me in that service that night, you couldn't destroy this service. God chooses when this uh, service happens or doesn't. God chooses whether or not he's there. There's nothing I could do to stop God. In my own life, I could do it. But if God wants to work in a church, he'll work in a church. He'll work amongst the people without me. And then uh, later on that week, it was Friday night. The night I got saved, I'm sitting there. And God finally showed me the one thing that was keeping me from getting saved. And it was just 
a misunderstanding of two words. Up till that moment, I always believed God could save me, but I never once believed in my life that God would save me. And that night, God showed me he would save me. Not that he could save me, but that he would save me. And it just came to my mind, God will save me. I could wait a thousand years and God will save me. And I like to use this illustration because this is a thing that went through my mind. I was always trying to get to God, but there was no way for me to get to him. And I always put it as there was a giant gulf between me and God. I could see him on the other side. I didn't know how to get to him. The thing was, I didn't need to get to him. God came and got me. God came over and he crossed that gulf and got me once I stopped fighting it. Once I stopped my unbelief. And I, I didn't see him cross it. It was just one moment he was on the other side. One moment, next moment I was face to face with God. And that was the moment that I got saved. And I praise God for that in my life. And I thank you for listening to this. And I thank Brother McVeigh for allowing me to speak again. There's a lost soul who's tired of his sinning And he longs to return to the Lord As he cries for forgiveness and mercy God is waiting You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption falleth not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing For the prodigal child has come home And the saints all with gladness are singing The glorious song of the redeemed